And good morning. My name, my name is Brian. I'm the teaching pastor here at Fusion City Church. Uh, it's a great honor and privilege that I have each week to, to, well, not each week, but most weeks to stand up here and to, to open God's word for us together as we try and learn something and pick, pick from what it is that, that God has for us as we, we come together. Um, the Bible gives us this picture that, that God has a feast prepared for us. I don't know if you guys experienced a feast at all this week, but I absolutely know what it feels like um, to, to, to have the, the food hangover. I don't know if you guys get those or not. I, I get the food hangover after Thanksgiving. Like I wake up on Friday and go, oh, and I'm still like sick from, from the food coma that I was in on Thursday. Well, now, now I don't want to go super hyper-spiritual on you, but I believe that it's possible for us to, to sit at the, the dinner table that God has for us to feast on what it is that he has for us. And here's my hope. Here's my hope. That every week when you come, that all throughout the rest of the week, you get a holy hangover. That's what I'm praying for, for you. That was way funnier in my head than y'all laughed. I'll just have it my little moment. Y'all just let me have it. All right. Hey, we're in uh, the fifth week of a series called Peeled. Uh, we started this several weeks ago with this idea in mind. That we wanted to, to, to peel back the, the outer layers of, of who we are as individuals, as who we are as people, and to get a deeper understanding of what it means to live the life that God has planned for each and every one of us. And we can't really see that until we get a real open, deep, honest look at who we are. And then when we determine who we are and how we're doing as we walk this life out trying to follow Christ, that when we get a good understanding of that, then and only then will we experience the abundance of life that God had in store for us. So, and what we've been doing, we've been doing that through the lens of the book of Galatians. So we've been walking through the book of Galatians each week, a chapter or two a week. Last week, we split a, cha- a, split a chapter in half. We did half of chapter five last week. That's where we're going to be today in the second half. So if you have your Bibles and you want to go ahead and find Galatians chapter five, that's where we're going to be today. If you didn't bring a Bible... Uh, because you don't have one, then we'll give you one. We have some Bibles at the Hub available for you, or, or we'll, we'll get you one some way or another. Um, if you just didn't bring it, but you have a smart device, we're on Version Live, so you can follow along that way. Um, and, and we'll also put the, the scriptures on the screen for you here in just a few minutes. But here's what we've been doing. We've been walking through the book of Galatians, not just so that we would have something to talk about for six weeks. Um, but because we want you who come to have a, a, a real good understanding of this theme of, a, of an entire book of the Bible. Like when we get done with the series next week, you will have, had, you have heard something from every chapter in the book of Galatians. And we've seen this recurring theme show up week in and week out as we've walked through the entire book together. So when you leave, somebody says, hey, what's the book of Galatians? Galatians. That's not a book in the Bible. But, but Galatians is, and you'll be able to say, hey, look, I know that the whole book of Galatians is about this discussion and argument that Paul is having about whether your flesh wins or whether the spirit wins, whether you're, whether you're living in the spirit or whether you're living under law and religion. Like We've talked about that for the last several weeks. If you haven't been with us, I'd encourage you to go and check out the podcast, kind of catch up with us. And normally what I do at the beginning of every message is I'll spend some time walking through a recap of what we've talked about in more detail than I just did. But today, Paul actually does that for me as we begin chapter or the middle of chapter five of Galatians. So if you would look with me at Galatians chapter five, um, if you're looking for it in your Bible, it's about that far through. Okay. Uh, Galatians chapter five, beginning in verse 16, and Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against 
the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, I know that maybe if, if, you've, um, if you don't have a church background, and I don't know what you may or may not think about church and the Bible and that kind of stuff, but you might say, aha, I knew it, that God wants me to do the things that I don't want to do. That's what Paul just said, right? That we want to walk in the spirit, not the flesh, so that God can keep us from doing the things that we want to do. You want to know why? You want to know why God wants to keep us from doing the things that we want to do? Because we're dumb. Did you know that? Like we, 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 who are the rulers of our lives, don't know what's best for us. We, we just don't. Like we come into this world, like Paul's talking about the battle between the spirit and the flesh, the flesh being our natural selves, just the way we were born. Like we come into the world not knowing how to live the best life for us. The Bible calls it sin, that we're born into sin, being this, this, we're born abject or object to the things that God wants for us. We're born knowing how to be evil. We're born bad. And I, I say this all the time, forgive me if you've heard it, but the only way that you wouldn't believe that you were born bad is if you don't have children. Because you don't have to teach those little boogers how to be mean. You don't have to teach them how to be jealous. You don't have to teach them how to be selfish. You don't have to teach them how to be possessive. You don't have to teach them anything. They come in experts. I got two of them, and I know it to be true. And it's not only true about them, it's true for me too. I was born the same way. And here's what Paul says. Don't live, don't live according to the flesh because that's going to jack you up. You know you were born bad, but live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit and let God then begin to change you so that you can walk out and live out this life that's according to his plan, not your plan, because your plan is messed up because you're dumb and bad. That's, 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 that's what, it's just true. Good morning and welcome to Fusion City Church. Well, we love to encourage you and send you out feeling good about yourselves. Like, I, just, I know, I get it, All right, but it, it, it gets better. Let's keep reading. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. The law being everything that represents our, our fleshly way of trying to achieve or appease God. So here's, long and short, here's what Paul's saying. There's a battle going on in your life, and it's between your flesh and the way things that you want to do and the, thing, the way you want to live and the how you want to be. There's that side. And then there's the spirit that, that gets you out of all that, that sets you free. We talked a lot about freedom and what it looks like and feels like to live as free people. Right? So there's, there's, there's a battle going on. There's an opposition. There's a competition between spirit and flesh in your life. Here's the thing about competition. Every time there's a competition, there's a winner and a loser. Is there not? So there is something in your life that's winning. It's either the spirit or it's the flesh. Because there is a competition and it has to be a winner. Let me tell you how I feel about winning. I love it. I love to win. I got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. We play board games and card games, and I do not let them win because I love to win. I don't want to be associated with anything that has something to do with losing. 
I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. I almost don't want to watch the game today because they just, they keep losing. I was watching the, the, the Carolina Tar Heels game yesterday. I'm a Tar Heels fan. And they got their teeth kicked in by the Wolfpack. I cut it off. I started, we watched Nemo. Or we, we, turned, we cartoon, Dora was on. Like, I'd rather watch Dora than to watch the Tar Heels lose. Now, if in your heart you just said amen because you're a Wolfpack fan, we're glad you're here because you need Jesus. And we're glad that you're with us here at Fusion City Church this morning. Um, so I, I, I want to win in anything that I'm supposed, anything I'm competing in, I, I just got to win. I have to, it's just how I feel. Now, so here's what I want to do for, for myself today. Here's what I want to do for you today. I want to answer the question, how do I know if I'm winning? How do I know if the spirit that I want to win in my life is winning? How can I know? Now, I know I told you that we're in the book of Galatians. I want to take a field trip, okay? I want to take a field trip over to Matthew chapter 7. And it's, it's a worthy field trip because we're going to hear from Jesus himself, all right? Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 20. This is what Jesus says. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Makes sense. He goes on. A healthy healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You want to know who the them is? The them was us. The them was others. Here's how you'll know whether the spirit is winning or the flesh is winning by their fruits. Because a healthy tree can't bear bad fruit any more than a bad tree can bear bear healthy fruit. People all the time tell me, oh, I just think the Bible's confusing. I think Jesus made it pretty clear. I think sometimes that's a cop-out. Yeah, there's some parts that are more confusing than others, but by and large, it's just a lack of effort. I don't, mean, I don't mean to be mean to you. Sometimes I have to for your own good. All right, if you think the Bible's confusing, you're just reading the wrong parts. Talk to me. I'll help you find the parts that make a lot of sense. Jesus makes it pretty clear. You want to know how somebody's living? You want to know if the spirit is winning or the flesh is winning? This is how you know. By their fruit. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. That fruit is the measure If we're out to answer the question, how do I know what's winning in my life, the spirit or the flesh, here's what Jesus said. Here's how you know whether or not they're healthy. Fruit is the measure. It's by their fruit. Okay, what fruit, Jesus? Like, we're talking about fruits and trees, and like, I I don't understand how that has anything to do with spirit and flesh. All right, so we're going to take, all right, field trip over. All right, we're back into Galatians chapter 5. Let's pick up our reading in verse 19. Here's what Paul says. Now, the works of the flesh, all right, so not the spirit, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, which is sexual excess or perversion, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Both of those things mean like hateful attitudes or having a hateful perspective. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So Paul says this isn't even an exhaustive list, but it's close. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit 
the kingdom of God. Now, I've got to stop for just a minute before we get to the part about the fruit. Because this verse wrecked me this week. Because I read verse 21 and it said, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of earth. And I got mad or I got scared because I do such things. I've been involved in such things even since I became a believer. And I went, whoa, wait a minute. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. And I thought I was good. Like I, like I thought, I, so I had to, had to spend some time unpacking this. So I, I hope that I can provide some clarity for you the same way that, that God kind of provided some clarity for me this week. Here's what that word do, that two little word will jack you up. Like two letters, word do, small word, big implications. Here, here's what it means. That word in the original context means a state of being. It's, it's present tense, meaning to exist as. So when Paul, our English word translated from the Greek, the word do, that's in the original context, it would be a state of being, meaning consistent, continual, or constant action of. All right, to do was to be in this context. So here, here's the distinction I want to make. That it's not if I do any of those things that Paul just said are the works of the flesh. But if I persist in those things, then that is evidence that the flesh is winning in my life and therefore I will not inherit the kingdom of God. You you see the difference? You see, it's it's not so much that, that if I do these, if I... Here's the distinction that I like to make, and I've said this before. You might want to write it down if you haven't heard it. Christ followers, those who profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we do not walk in these things that Paul is talking about, the, the works of the flesh. We don't walk into the, in those things. We fall into those things. You see the difference? That it isn't a continual, persistent, habitual, walking, living thing, those things out but there may come a time and occasion where we fall into those things. We make a mistake and participate in one of those things. But, but in that moment for the believer, there should be conviction. We should feel that we've done something that offends our Heavenly Father. There should be repentance where we not only recognize that we offended God, but we turn away, that we desire no longer to do that thing which we did so that we now choose a new path away from the things that we made a mistake and fail into. So there's a big difference between walking in and falling into sin. And I just want to clarify that for you because I needed that clarification for me this week. I told the volunteers at the volunteer service this morning, y'all need to know I get as much out of my preaching as, y'all, as I hope that you do. I guess I study and prepare for this stuff and I didn't want that to trip any of you up the same way that I went, whoa, hold on a minute. I want to make sure that I got this nailed down. All right, so that, that, was, that was sidebar. All right, that was a different message. All right, now I'm back in to the message already in progress. All right, here we go. Verse 22, Jesus said, by their what? You'll know them by their? Okay, four of you got it. All right, let's read it. The answer is fruit. So Jesus said, by their fruit, you'll know them. This is what Paul says the fruit is, verse 22. Really famous verses of scripture right here. But the fruit of the spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, Jesus said, by their fruit, you'll know them. Fruit is the measure 
Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I noticed this this week. Did you notice that it was singular? The word fruit, it's one fruit, many parts. Paul said the works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, enmity, strife, rivalries, dissensions. Like, like there, there were many, there were the works. There's one fruit, many parts. Here's what that means. That for those who are walking in the spirit, who are living in the spirit, that all of those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those should exist in your life in some measure. At some level, you should experience each of those things and they should be increasing in your life. We'll get to that in a minute. See, here's, here's what I'm prone to do because I like to win, right? I want to find the things that I'm good at and those are the things that I want to claim in Jesus' name, right? I'm, I'm really good at love. Like, I'm really good at loving people. I got some joy going on in my life. Peace, man, I don't want to talk about the peace. Patience, <laughs> self-control, like, I'm, I'm kind. Gentle, uh, like, I, like, like I want to focus on the ones that I, and say, you know what, I don't have to worry about all of them because I got a few of them, so I must be doing pretty good. Like that, that's what I want to do. So I, but you know what that is? It's religion. It's religion. It's the flesh in me wanting me to feel good about me. Paul said there's the fruit, one singular fruit of the spirit, and it has many parts. And against such things, there is no law. You know what that means? It means you can't have too much of any of those. Like God doesn't have a law that says, okay, that's enough faithfulness. Stop, right? Whoa, no more. Like not too much joy. Like just back it down a notch, all right? There, no law against love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can have as much of them as you can possibly obtain. As a matter of fact, God desires for those things to not only be abundant in your life, but to be increasing in your life. Look what he says. Another field trip. Uh, sorry, number two. All right, field trip. Again, it's Jesus, so it's worth it. All right, John chapter 15, verses five through eight. This is what Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, so whoever walks in the spirit, whoever is connected to me, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears how much fruit? Much is the answer. I answer for as much. Right? It is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Anybody really think Jesus is talking about vines and branches right here? When he talks about that those who don't produce fruit get burned up. I don't think he's talking about trees. Just that's, you don't think he's talking about trees either. You know it's true. All right, so verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear how much fruit? Again, same answer as last time. It's much, hey, hey, now y'all participating. I like it. You will bear much fruit. 
And look what it does. Look what bearing much fruit does. And so prove to be my disciples. How do I know if I'm winning in the battle of spirit versus flesh? He who bears much fruit proves to be my disciples. Fruit is the measure. So I'm asking church, who's winning in your life? Is there fruit? Is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Are they there and, and in addition to, are they increasing? Because for he that is such, who bears much fruit, so proves to be my disciple. We read it in Matthew. We read it in a letter that Paul wrote. Now we read it in a book that John wrote. Three different guys, same principle, same story. You know, it's like they all had one source that they were dependent on. Because they did. It's the Bible. It's, it's God's word to us. God's word to us. All three of them say the same thing in three different times and places. Because God was trying to communicate to us that this is how you know if the spirit is winning in your life or if the flesh is winning. Fruit is the measure. So I'm going to ask you again. As a matter of fact, it's better if you ask yourself, what's winning in my life? Is it the spirit? Is there fruit? Or is it the flesh? Is it religion? Is it law? Is it rules? Is it systemized? What is it that's winning in your life? This is a battle we can't afford to lose. Because those who lose the battle of spirit and flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't that what Paul said? If we lose this battle, it's hell to pay. Literally, like it's hell to pay. That's not an expression, that's truth. It's a battle we can't afford to lose. We have to win. And it's not just, it's not just winning for winning's sake. There's a, there's a payoff. Not only is it heaven, but there's, there's something else. Like this is, I, love, I told you, love to win. Love to win. Love, love, love to win. Don't, I don't even like playing people with church because they get a bad opinion of the pastor because I love to win. Like love to win. But all the stuff I've won in my life, I got some trophies on the shelf. I got some stories I can tell. All the things I've won, not many of them have done anything to benefit or better my life. Think about it. All the stuff you've won, the trophies on the wall, the plaques, the tournaments, the competitions, whatever it is. Like what? There's my plaque. Let me tell you the story. How's your life better? This is what Paul says. This is, this is what happens when we win the battle, spirit versus flesh. Look at this, verse 24 and 25, Galatians 5. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They've won. They won the battle. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
It's not just winning for winning's sake. It's winning so that we have not only the opportunity, but the ability to then walk out what it looks like to live in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit so we walk in the Spirit. It means our lives begin to exhibit things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the life of a believer looks like. It's externally measured because it is internally grown. See, we, the, the whole problem that Paul's been addressing with the law and religion is that they were getting all the external things right. Like, look, I'm doing all the, look, I'm showing love. I'm showing peace. I'm showing joy. But it wasn't internal. It was outside, not inside. It has to start within We abide, we grow, we live in the Spirit, and then we walk out in the Spirit. um, With with the holiday this week, Quentin and Jonah and I, we took a couple days off in the office. We, we We didn't work every day this week, and so I was a little bit late getting my message buttoned up and prepared for today. And um, As a matter of fact, as as late as Friday night, I, I didn't have it all written, and I'm really glad that I didn't. Because Friday night, my wife and I went to the funeral home to visit with some friends of ours who had lost a, a husband and a stepdad, um, respectively. And what I thought I would walk into was kind of a typical funeral home visitation scene. Lots of tears and sadness and grief and mourning. It's expected. And it's okay. Nothing wrong with that. And that, and that was my expectation. I was going to walk in. I was going to put my arms around my, my, my friend who lost a stepdad and, and his wife, who's also a friend of mine, who lost a husband. I was going to put my arms around him. I was going to pray for him. I was going to cry with him. I was going to be sad with him. Just, I was going to do the, the funeral home thing. And I was wrong. My expectations were wrong. I walked in, and this lady who's too young to be a widow she was smiling. And her sons were smiling. And their wives were, they were, they were kind of smiling. They, they were hurting. But as I shook their hands and I talked to them, they asked about my kids, how I was doing. And I talked to this, this young widow and she spoke of grace, God's goodness. And the peace that she had, knowing that her husband was with his father. And I got home and I was praying for them and I was praying about the whole situation and God spoke. He said, that's somebody that's walking in the spirit. Somebody who's living in the Spirit and then walking that out in their life. The things of the Spirit are evident in them. And my expectations were wrong. And then I heard God speak again. As he began to show me what I experienced through the lens of what he's called us to as a church. To be a, a church that connects its city to the Savior. 
That if we accomplish what it is that God has called us to, if we become the catalyst for seeing lives changed all around the city of Kannapolis and the surrounding area, as far out as God will let us reach, if we get this right, if we manage to connect an entire city to a Savior, that those who are in the city of Kannapolis walk and live in the Spirit, that if we get that right, then every funeral home visitation I go to will look just like that one. We're sure there's some hurt and there's some grief and there's some mourning, but there's hope and there's peace and there's joy and there's patience and there's love and faithfulness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. That when we accomplish what it is that God has called us as a church to accomplish in this context, in our geography and in this culture. That every time we set foot into difficult circumstances, a bad doctor's diagnosis, a lost job, a funeral home, anything that we walk into that the world would say you should mourn and you should be overcome with grief, that we have the ability and the opportunity to say because we walk and live in the flesh, that there is nothing that this world can throw at me that my God hasn't overcome. And that's what I want for Kannapolis. I want it to be impossible if you live in the city of Kannapolis for you to go to hell because Fusion City Church exists. And it's not so that we can be great or exalt in ourselves, but so that we can share the message of hope and love that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope you have one. Church, it is imperative that we get this right. We have to. I had a pastor leader at a conference ask a question of us a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, whatever it was. So what is it that breaks your heart? And I wrote down on my, in my journal, there are people in my city that are dying and going to hell. They have no hope, they have no peace, and they have no joy. And I want to change it. But it can't start and it can't change out there first. It has to change in here first. And in order for it to change in here first, it has to change in you. It has to change in me. So that's what I want us to pray for this morning. I want us to pray that God will begin to change us. Change us internally so that we can live in the flesh, so that the flesh will begin to take ground and have victory in our lives. And then as we abide and, and stay connected to Christ and that fruit begins to, to live out from the inside, that we begin to live it and walk it out on the outside. That those who we come into contact with will say, I don't... Those Christians believe some crazy stuff. They're all about some Jesus and dead Savior who came back to life. And I I don't agree with all that, but look at how they love. Look at the peace they have. I've never seen anybody be patient like that before. Those people have more joy than anybody I've ever come across. They're weird. They're weird. And they bring some weird stuff. But man, look. Just look at them. That's my hope. That's what I want. That's what I want for me. It's what I want for you. And when we get it right, you and me, it'll start to change out there. 
And that's what I believe God's called us to. Would you pray with me? Father God, this morning, Lord, I pray that we are challenged. Lord, do not let us leave the same as we walked in. God, change us, mold us, make us something new, God. God, for every part of the flesh that continues to take victory in our life, God, I pray that you would crucify it in the lives of those under the sound of my voice and beyond. God, help us to crucify the things of our flesh so that your spirit can begin to be victorious in our lives. And God, as those victories are won, as the Spirit becomes the thing that is preeminent in our lives. God, help us to live it out. Help us to not only live in your Spirit, but to live out in your Spirit. God, as we walk through our daily lives, to those that we interact with, to those that we work with, to those that are our friends, our family. God, help us, for we are weak. God, we love you. We are grateful that in you, Father, we can have victory over our flesh. Walk in the freedom provided for us through your son, Jesus Christ. So that we are no longer subject to the law, but free to belong to you. God, we love you. We thank you for first loving us. God, I pray that that means something. That because you love us, we can live free. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for the hope and the peace and the joy that is found in a relationship with him. God, I pray it all in his name. Amen and amen.